Hello again, this is Charlie Belfontaine, and you're listening to the Home Buyer's Hour. Uh, this is a radio show about client advocacy, and we go out of our way to find other professionals in the real estate business that are we consider client advocates, that plain and simple. In the studio with me, I do have Carla Thomas of Urban Burb, and we're going to get to her in a little bit. I also have on the phone with us uh, Mark McCutcheon of Chicagoland Home Inspectors and Vince Arricchio of Arricchio Law Offices. Mark, if you don't mind, give us a little hello and tell us a short little spew about yourself and how great you are. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Mark McCutcheon. Uh, I work for Chicagoland Home Inspectors. I've been inspecting for almost five years. We're right around, uh, right around the corner there on that one. And yeah, I'm glad to be on the show because I uh, wholly believe in uh, helping out people to uh, to purchase their homes, not just to just kind of look at the house, but to actually explain to them what's going on with the house and all the stuff that uh, you need to know to be a homeowner. Outstanding. And Vince, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and also a little bit more about, no, I'm drawing a blank on the word I'm looking for. Whenever you go into court, what's that called? Oh, sure, sure. So... Uh, my name is Vince Arricchio of Arricchio Law Offices, practicing attorney 25 years, focusing with real estate 22 years, um, overlapping with that, have a nine-year litigation experience. That so was the word. Not, not sure if that, yes, yes. Uh, so we don't like to be involved in litigation with real estate. The whole <laughs> point of real estate transactions is to avoid litigation, but we like to say, goodness gracious, if the worst happens, we're available to assist with litigation from any kind of contract issues, uh, inspector uh, uh, issues, a anything that we need to get involved in, which I cannot say, uh, other than something called like a bad building back in the 90s, I cannot say, Charlie, I've ever heard of an inspector doing anything wrong. Yeah, well, I can. So there's good and bad humans in every field. All right. I just so happen to hear the bad home inspector uh, human beings. Yeah. But we're all here for one reason this today, and that one reason is Carla Thomas. And we've worked, our company has worked with Carla for quite a few years now. And just, uh, I know she, I was always admired by this woman, by how she she really looks out for her clients. She uses all her knowledge and everything else that she has to, you know, basically educate them, make sure they're making good home buying decisions. And I, I've been trying to get around this show, but because this woman wants to be a doctor or something like that, <laughs> and she needs to go to Northwestern University in school, she can't Very come busy. to the recording dates on the days we normally record. <laughs> so enough of that. Carla, please tell us about your company, about you, and... Tell them why I think you're special. Well, hi, everyone. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, I know Charlie and Mark pretty well. Gra glad to meet Vince as well. Uh, my name is Carla Thomas. I own a company called Urban Burb Realty. So I started um, in real estate back in 2000, and, I don't know, four, three, as an investor. So I really, I, the numbers just always made sense to me, this concept that you can you know, take a down payment, invest in a home, rent that home out, have somebody else pay the mortgage, and then eventually it would be yours. I came into real estate as a long-term investing game. Um, slowly but surely, I got my real estate license to handle my own sort of swaps here and there. I was working full-time as an engineer. And then um, eventually I started to realize I like this hunt <laughs> more than I like the whole desk job thing. I'm going to stop you a little bit. You said as an engineer. What type of engineer? That's cool. I it have... is cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> I have a mechanical engineering degree. That makes sense, right? Yeah, I have a mechanical engineering degree. I've worked I worked in manufacturing and supply chain for about 15 years. That's cool. Before I quit and went real estate full time. Excellent. Sorry I interrupted. No problem. Now I'm aging myself. But anyway. <laughs> um and so when I decided to sort of quit my job and kind of focus on real estate full time, I was doing it part time for over 10 years. I decided I needed a niche and like any Good business needs something that they specialize in. So I um, named my company Urban Burb because I had recently made the transition from the city to the suburbs. And for any family who's ever had to go through that, we know one, we're all like, oh, no, we consider ourselves city people. We really don't want to move because we're too cool for that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you have to find the right fit, right? Like fit for who your family is. I have a very 
let's just say, non-traditional um, family, uh, multiracial, same-sex, adopted kid. Like, we need to make sure we ended up somewhere where, like, we wouldn't be getting weird side-eyes from people. And so what that process looked for me was, like, literally, you know, casing the joint. I mean, if somebody saw me during that time, they'd that wonder show. what. I mean, I would be on conference calls, long conference calls back in the day before Zoom, and I'd get in my car and I would literally drive up and down the streets of wow. the community, the communities that I were considering, because it's not just like, well, I want to move to Evanston or one big community. Like, there's sub-communities within there. I want to know where I thought I would fit in best. And, and I do remember you saying that yeah, you like cool. to do it at different times of day. Yeah, um, yeah, like, you know, I, I, particularly like the weekend, okay. I would, you know, take my kids to playgrounds. Okay. Um, there, because then I could sit and chat with other parents and like get yeah. a vibe from people who live there who aren't really trying to sell me anything or yeah. just just to understand. Uh, See what, what the it's humans like. are like in that particular. Yeah, so area. for me, it's less about the different yeah. types of day, yeah. more like different. You know, during the summer, during yeah. the you know the weekends, things like that, when people are doing different things. Um, and so I dis- that was such a journey for me trying to figure out what the right community. I firmly believe that you need to be shopping communities before you shop house. You can always fix the house. You can change the house. You can often, if it's a house versus a condo, you can often add to the house. You can't change the community after the fact, right? Right. And so I am correct, like 100% focused on finding the right community, making sure it vibes with who you are and what you want um, before you find the house. Um, when people come to me and they're like, well, anywhere within 45 minutes of downtown, like in all directions, really, I, you know, like we're going to be looking forever because you really need to figure out what's important to you. And I think putting like the community values um, is important first. And so after going through this myself, I decided to sort of model my entire com- company on um, so this idea of herb to burb, or sometimes people are just trying to make a decision and they make a decision to stay in um, in the city. I also work with a lot of people who are transitioning from a different town because, you know, you got a job in Chicago and you don't even know where to start. Helping right. them sort of, if, if they spend 15 minutes on the phone with me, I can kind of say, well, oh, okay, based on what you said is important to you, here are five communities to consider. You go do a little that. homework, and then we could start looking for a house. So so not only that, but you've done it, so you know exactly how to walk them through it. You know, you've been there. Yeah. And you know all the feelings that they have. I know all the feelings that they have. And then in this market, the other one thing that I, I think I bring to my clients is that I'm also a developer. So I've built new construction homes. I've renovated homes. I've built the home that I live in. Um, I also do kind of short-term in, uh, rental investments. And so in this market when nobody's really getting the home they want because it is a rush for everything most people have to consider having to do some work on the property and so um you know some of those initial conversations is just understanding what's a you know aesthetic renovation versus something that will need structural work and just helping clients kind of work through that so that's kind of me in a nutshell and we can get into other things as we go along but you know real estate has always been my passion um and yeah i love it it, which is fantastic. And I think, you know, right now, if anybody sees me looking down on my phone through the Facebook live feed, um, that's because I'm writing down notes of what Carla is saying, because some of that stuff is really interesting, especially about learning about the communities first. But let's start there. Let's start, you know, I always like to go through the process, you know, take a client from from as soon as you meet them to at the closing table, all right? So you mentioned that you get a lot of people or some people from out of state that are moving to the Chicagoland area. Mm-hmm. What's that percentage for you? It's probably 25 to 30% of my business. So 30 or 70% are people that are already in the area yep. and they either want to move to another area within Chicagoland or, or they're coming here from the other side is the 30%. Cool. Um, talk me through your onboarding. Talk me through that conversation at 15 minutes um, question and answers. In fact, if you want to give it to me, I'd be happy. I I want to see if I'm living where I'm supposed to be living. Well, you know. yeah, give them the test. Um, yeah. yeah. So first of all, I would say people come to me with all different levels of research already done, right? Okay. So you know, one of the first things I want to do is hear from you. What's important? What do you know so far? Um, there's other things you should know that you might know, but like what have you already figured out so far? And for some people that takes the shape of... Um, you know, what size house and how much land they want. So that would determine, um, you know, kind of where they want to be. Obviously, a big practical thing for many people is where are you working and how how you get into work? Do you need to be accessed to train? Do you want to be 45 minutes from that job, 30 minutes from that job, 15 minutes from that job? Um, What is geographically desirable? 
Yeah. Another sticky conversation because, you know, I, um, to what Charlie said, I am presently in school getting my PhD because of um, uh, education inequities and like my own experience around that Mm -hmm. uh, for my family. And so one of the, you know, people tend to come and they have an idea of schools and they have these ideas of good schools, which is a very tricky (laughs) and sticky conversation. Um, But again, I kind of give people tools, have them do their own research. I am not here to tell anybody what's a good school for their family or what fits. And nor should we. And nor should we. Every human (laughs) has their own right to choose. I know know when I was looking for my family, um, you know, like top grades is not the only thing, (laughs) especially with a a diverse family. And so um, I kind of make sure people have the tools to go do their own research to make that right response base. So I think, you know, commute to work, and uh, sort of their school situation, or if they plan to have kids in the future, um, especially if people are coming from outside of the area, they don't understand that, like, um, while there are sometimes decent, uh, like, multiple options for elementary school, it gets tighter <laughs> when you get to high school. Okay. So, if, like, thinking about making a decision now for high school, which seems like the craziest thing when your kid is three. But that was like one of the key sure. drivers for me. Like you make a decision now, you're in elementary school, then you have to move when the kid's 14 unless you could like test into one or whatever or whatever. And that's going to be hard because they Absolutely. built the bonds. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their friends, their peers, they're close to everything else. And it, it's a hard, it's almost like a divorce. Yeah. I, you know, right. we have to take our children into consideration. I think yeah. that's why. And so for me, my yeah, wife moved when she that, was 14 was like... and hated that. So like that was one mm-hmm. of the things she's like, we didn't want to do that. So just helping people think about all these different things. Mark, you were going to say something. No, I was going to say that just, yeah, that was the number one driver of where we moved as well. Same, same exact idea. Yeah. So that's so super important. I get to those kind of, I would almost call them non-negotiables of like, you know, those are very important um, and like more hard, hard decision, like hard metrics to move around. Um, and then, of course, we have to talk a little about price, even though it's still early in the game. You know, you can't say I have $200,000 to spend and I want to live in Beverly Hills, right? So like it's a practical consideration. Yeah. But then we start to get to the softer side of things. Like what's important to you? What do you do on a weekend? Like what do you want to have access to on the weekends? Um, like who are the people you want to chill with? <laughs> like um, what are the types of activities that you want to do, you know, in your free time and, and have access to that? Um, and so then we start to get more of the, the neighborhood things because that's really can, you know, you might be able to find five communities that fit the sort of hard criteria, but then we have to figure out which one's going to be the best fit for you. So normally I hear people, and you kind of mentioned it too, about price and houses and things. And usually one of the first things you do before you show anyone how, I shouldn't say you, what I hear other real estate agents say is they want to get people pre-approved um, for a mortgage. And, and I know if Joey was here, and I wish he was today, there's different levels of pre-approval process is what I've been learning. Mm-hmm. So some people are just like, yeah, you got income enough to go ahead and get this, have at it. And other people, they basically do the whole loan approval right up in the beginning so that they know there's not going to be a headache. What's your, what do you like to do with your clients? Yeah. So I will say that like the last two years, obviously everybody knows the market is tight. There's a shortage of inventory and everything has multiple bids. Buyers just don't have any power. Right. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Those buyers don't have any power. So while I wouldn't say that I was always um, pushing in the past for having this pre-approval where it's sort of everything but the appraisal, yeah, um, which not every company um, offers, I push my clients to do that now Good. because often you're competing with cash offers. Um, and, you know, cash is sometimes king. Um, but also, uh, if you can sort of position yourself to be as good as cash, look, all that needs to happen is that property needs to appraise. Now, that's another stumbling block in this market, because let's face it, every property is selling <laughs> a gazillion <laughs> above market, right? Yeah. And so that's another space that... Um, it's a really, again, another tricky place for me to advise my clients because in this market, I can give you comps and I can tell you what I can prove to you on paper it's worth. That is often not going to win the deal today. No. Anything you do above yeah. that, one, you need to make that choice. And I have that, that's a very clear conversation I've been having with all my clients because three years from now, I don't want anybody to turn around. Carla told me to pay for it. No, Carla proved to you that it was worth yeah. this. Carla explained to you the re- realities of the market and the fact that it often has to go above that. Which makes sense if you plan on being in the house for a longer time, it'll work out in the wash. If you think you might move in three years, this is not the market for you, quite frankly. Right. Um, but making sure that, uh, I lost my train of thought there, but making sure that um, 
people understand that them. it sounds like you're yeah educating about the track. financial pieces too so if you plan to pay twenty thousand dollars more than asking and you think this is worth it and this is your dream house well and you were putting twenty percent down the bank is not going to pay that extra no so you need to have your twenty percent down plus the twenty k that you're paying on top so having those discussions like from the first meeting in this market in, in, this was not a conversation I was having four years ago but like it is a whole financial game now. It is not just a buying process. But is it, isn't it funny, Mark and Vince? Isn't it kind of funny in its own way? We've been hearing, you know, most of these real estate agents, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm doing the grouping together. But everybody's coming about this as I need to prepare my client. I need to get them, you know, set on this course of action so they know what's going to be happening, so they're not going to be shocked with a surprise. Um, have you guys been hearing that as well, or am I the only one? Uh, d- absolutely. I mean, even yesterday's inspection was a perfect example. They're buying the house as is. The clients that we had that we share with the realtor, uh, they were kept. You know, they reminded us uh, conveniently the uh, the selling agent that they have seven backup offers. So when they're yeah. looking at stuff and finding big issues, it becomes, it you know, it becomes like well. What are we, you know, what are we going to do? But and that's, that's not our I choice. The realtors, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, right, that's it's never our, our, choice, our choice. Our choice is just to provide, or our job is to provide accurate information, you know, yeah. as accurate Correct. as possible, as thorough as possible. And that way we allow our clients to go ahead and make that educated decision. And that's where I was going, that I was happy to hear what Carla was saying on that. You know, listen, this is the risk. These are the rewards, but it's your choice, you know, Mark, and that's been the common denominator. Mark brought up something that I think is very important. Um, and Mark and I, you know, Mark and I have this. I love Mark. And then sometimes I hate Mark. Right. Like, this love-hate relationship Because I mean, with one client alone last year, that means he's doing his job. <laughs> he's doing so his job. Good. Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. why I love him. But like with one client alone last year, they put offers on three different houses and all three of them after the inspection with Mark, we, we were like, walk away. Um, this pressure, like Charlie mentioned it earlier, this market is a seller's market. And, and like Mark, Mark just said, the, the, you know, the seller's agent was there to remind them that they had seven backup offers. Um, and buyers are desperate. I feel like I am more of a um, therapist <laughs> these days. I mean, real estate agents have always been a little bit of therapists, but yeah. I, you know, part of preparing my clients is preparing them for the emotional roller coaster from the very oh. first conversation because yeah. this is not something where I'm going to go see a house, I'm going to fall in love with it, I'm going to put an offer, I'm going to get it. That's not happening for anybody these right. days. Even the folks with cash, it's not happening for. And so um, I emotionally prepare them for the roller coaster ahead. But also, there's been a lot of sellers coming back when there are multiple offers asking, will you forego your attorney review period? Will you forego your inspection period? Will you buy it as is? And I'll kind of share with you, this is my line with my clients. As is, is often required right now to win when they're eight and 10 but never forgo your inspection period. Because yeah. the difference between as is and waiving the inspection, which a lot of people sellers have been asking for, like it's a priority for us if somebody's waiving the inspection. If you buy it as is, you are clear that the seller's not going to pay a credit for anything that is found. Then Mark comes in and he breaks your heart and he tells you that you know Sorry. there's a structural issue in the, in the property. That's going to be a big deal. Mark and I had one last year. I had not seen termite in the Chicagoland area in like 15 years. And Mark <laughs> found the house that had like the worst termite he had ever yeah. seen. Right? It was crazy. So yep. at that <laughs> point, that crazy. client was buying it as is. They were not going to get any money from the seller, but they had the opportunity to walk away. And the only thing right. they had on the table was the money they paid for that inspection. So I know people, buyers are being forced to do things that just seemed insane four years ago. But do not give up that inspection period because that, you know, at that point you sign, that headache is yours one way or the other. And it's better to walk away with $1,000 of inspection cost or $500 inspection cost, depending on the size, um, than it is to buy a house that needs $30,000 worth of, um, uh, you know, remediation of some sort. Repair. Yeah. yeah. It's all money. You know, and I've always said everything comes down to two things, how much and who pays. <laughs> all right. Yep. And, and it's true, you know, and it's what you're willing to absorb. And. To me, it's what's the difference between paying $20,000 over asking price or having to do $20,000 worth of repairs. Mm -hmm. You're still coming up with $20,000 and stuff. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, you also asked about this onboarding process. And recently, I actually just purchased a property in Michigan. And Michigan real estate laws are like 
totally different. The process is totally different. No lawyers involved. Everybody has a title company. It's just so different. And it was such a great learning experience for me because I had an agent there who, quite frankly, I was lost. I was like, what's happening next? What's happening? And because even though I do real estate here, it's not the same process at all. So I'm like, but this is supposed to be and nothing was as it was supposed to be or as I'm used to mm-hmm. in this market. And um, it made me very grateful that for my clients, I created a process map. So I mentioned earlier that I was an engineer. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. I was a process engineer. It's what I yeah, did. Yeah. I was, I'm was. i a Six Sigma master black belt. Look it up. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> it's It has nothing to do with martial arts. Sounds um, awesome. But it's a statistical it process. Like a rap artist. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an excellent name for a rap artist. If I ever go into music, which, you know, if Charlie knows me, it might be my next 10 years. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I always like something new. Um, but I created a process map for my clients. And I, after I have that first initial conversation with them, I send that out to them so that they know, because I will explain to them the process, and yeah. they'll be so excited, they're gonna start learning, they finally had the down payment, they reached out to the agent, they're getting started, and they may not be under contract on that house for three months or yeah. four months. And then they, like, whatever I said to them on the phone has gone out the window. I present them, I send them an email with a process map to them exactly what happens. You know, once you know, we look for a home, they'll get pre-approved, we'll look for a home, um, after they're under contract, then they can go back to that process map and see what happens. They can understand how many days they have for the inspection and turn review, when the earnest money is worth. And so I have that mapped out so that the clients can go back to it at any point in time throughout the um, process. Which That's all wonderful. makes sense. We're in that process, and you know we could do buyers and sellers differently. I, I guess I should ask you, are most of your clients buyers or... 50-50 or? Not quite 50-50. More on the buyer side. Probably okay. more like 70-30. When do you bring in the attorney? When do you bring in somebody like Vince here? Um, so it... Generally, the attorney doesn't come into the game until the contract is signed. Okay. Unless I'm dealing with an investor um, who is somehow subdividing land or has more complicated things that we need to make sure these things can be done before we, you know, like before we sign on the dotted line. So most of the time, um, property or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not like that, but like, can it be subdivided? Right. And sometimes because we have to put extra, um, contingencies on something. So if somebody's buying land with the intention that they can subdivide it and build four properties, they don't. They need. They need extra contingencies to make sure that can be done. To have time to check that out with the city or the village or whoever it is. They need um, longer due diligence. Yeah, and longer due diligence periods. Sometimes that requires an extra um, addendum, and we reach out to the attorney sure. to get that addendum done ahead of time. Yeah. Um, which again is not standard for somebody just buying a house or buying a condo. So generally, because attorneys in particular are um, flat fee, um, we get them in once the contract is firm. And okay. it's actually signed. Is that normal for you too, Vince? It flat fees and wait until the contract's signed before you meet a client? Yes, that would be the majority of the time. When I've been involved either pre-offer or after the offer's made but not accepted, uh, that's generally when you have... Uh, either brand new clients or a real estate agent were to say to me, you know, this is a very detailed person. Um, They want you to just review the offer if they're the buyer, or uh, this is a very detailed seller. Before they uh, docu-sign Vince with me, the agent, they want you to review the offer. And I have no problem doing that. Yes, that's a part of our flat fee. Yes, there's uh, more to do, more hand-holding, more time, but that's what we're called to do as attorneys. Some attorneys don't like to do that. Some attorneys don't like to work with first-time buyers because there's so many questions. I'm a people person. I do this because I like to help people, and there's nothing better than you know helping someone you know right out of college buy their first condo or or a family buy their first home. So so my wife says stop saying this, but I love first-time buyers. I think I'm the rarity though. Well, you have um, a good skill set you know, for communications and you make people feel welcome around you, which, you know, I I don't, I don't know. I just don't want to feel stupid. That's the bottom line. I want someone to educate me, but I don't want to feel dumb. And you have a talent to be able to do that. So thank you. Wow, that's very, that's very kind of you, but I'm sure there's many, many attorneys out there who are- Oh no, there's only one and it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Take the compliment, Vince. All right, all right. Yes. Um, and, and Charlie, I mean, what a heart you have. And, and Mark and Carl, I'm getting to know you. But of course, I think, 
even just to do this home buyer's hour uh we must either love people or love to be a part of helping people in the process so thank you it's rewarding you know and i always go back to reminiscing when i was on the fire department all those years and Carla, you know, brought up a, a point about going through the process and all of a sudden the contract signed. And in the fire service, whenever we rolled up to a house fire, it, it was the first five minutes it was busy. One person's tagging a hydrant, they're pulling lines towards the front house. We're sending a truck crew to either the roof or inside to search and rescue for victims. You know, so there's like about five or six operations that are getting started happening all at once. And, you know, we got 16 to 20 guys on there working on this house fire and everything needs to happen in a matter of five minutes. Once the hoses are laid and the water's flowing and everybody's moving in there, we know that we got everybody out. You know, the work is still being performed. Don't get me wrong, but everybody can breathe a little bit better now. And that's what I just heard when that agreement is signed that's like first arrival. That is, it's busy as a bee mm-hmm. now, right? Go, right. right? Yeah. You don't have time, do you? No. Nope. Um, you know, you're getting the inspection done. You're getting the attorney, attorney to start reviewing. In particular, if it's a condo, there might be condo docs and making sure there aren't any rules or issues, checking recent um, meeting minutes of the condo association to make sure they haven't been, you might not have a special assessment already issued, but they might be talking about big roof work. So we want to look at the minutes to make sure. And so everybody's, you know, we're, we're, we're negotiating the things that come up on the inspection. And so all things are a go. And then once we negotiate the items, we turn in that rest of earnest money, then it gets quiet for a while. And I always chat with my clients then, let them know that they're not going to be hearing from me as much during this period. They're going to be having hearing a lot from their mortgage broker. Okay. Um, and I kind of prepare them about what underwriting is. And the mortgage broker tells them everything that they expect and they should have. And then mm-hmm. underwriting always comes and finds more things. So I tell them, don't get <laughs> irritated. It's going to happen. It happens no matter how much you think you turned in. Um, everybody has different situations. So they yeah. require and I kind of prepare them for like, you know, that whole paperwork trail with the mortgage broker. And then I kind of tell them the next time we're going to start getting busy again, which is like about a week before closing. We're going to try to get our clear to close. We're going to do a final walkthrough um, and we're going to hit that that closing table. No, all that stuff I yeah, loved yeah. a lot. And then one of the things you mentioned about condos and condo docs, and maybe we'll jump off gear. But before we do that, I, I think now is a good time for everyone just to share their contact information. Carla, I'm going to start with you. You know, again, the name of your company, phone number, websites, whatever you want to share so people can reach out to you. Um, If you do want to reach out to Carla, write this stuff down. So go ahead. All right. So Carla Thomas and the company's name is Urban Burp Realty. We are located in Evanston. Um, And uh, email Carla.Thomas at Herb, the number two. So by the way, Herb to Burp stands for urban and suburban. (laughs) So that's where it comes from. So it's Carla.Thomas at Herb, U-R-B. The number two, and then Burb, B-U-R-B. And that Thomas is with a T-H, right? Yeah, T-H-O-M-A-S. Okay. And um, my website, www.herb2burb. Again, that's the number two in the middle there. And 773-505-1121. Again, that's 773-505-1121. And Vince, please. Yes, uh, you can check us out at reallawchicago.com. Of course, our uh, information is also on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, our phone number, 312-263-0010. And uh, again, you can call us even if you are uh, uh, not under a contract. You have a general question. It's all about networking and meeting people. So 312-263-0010. I have noticed that quite a bit that a lot of people are willing to donate their time and energy to coach people basically for free. You know, and now I'm bringing back bad memories of my divorce. And it's like all the attorneys always had this phrase, I don't offer free legal advice. But I think you are. Am I wrong in that statement? So close, close. Um, First, we have two duties. uh, And Charlie, you probably know this, but for the uh, audience, um, uh, we have two duties. First, as an attorney in Illinois, we are not experts. Uh, We are not allowed to say that. We can say we focus, concentrate. Um, They even warn against special, saying specializing. So we are not experts, but we are licensed attorneys in certain fields. And then second, we are allowed to give general information, um, but we're called to not give specific advice. However, when you call, yeah, yeah, when you call me um, and I'm not yet retained, I'm not yet hired, I do just say, please know 
Everything here is general information, and um, uh, you have not hired me. You have not signed an agreement, a written agreement as per our firm's policies. However, in general, the information I can convey is boom, 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 boom. And everyone on this call or everyone listening is like, whatever, that's the same exact <laughs> thing as advice. Well, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. This is how we're forced to say and do it. It's when you end the call, you have to say to your prospective or future or possible client, you have to say, you understand I'm not doing any extra steps on your behalf. Uh, you understand that this was just general and you really shouldn't rely on it, but it's to give you some guide guidance. And if you want to be retained by my firm or you want to retain our services, I should say, we would just like to get you a written agreement. Charlie, that's how you avoid someone saying, well, you gave me this advice and you were supposed to do something. Do I have a written agreement? D didn't I share that information with you that uh, I haven't been hired? And you do what you can to try to help people, but not get in a bind by giving advice. That's fair. That's completely fair. And Mark, let's see what you remember yeah. about Chicagoland Home Inspectors. <laughs> From last time. Yeah, so uh, we are Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Uh, that's our company, me and Charlie. And uh, you can be at thehomeinspectors.com. I actually love that website. Uh, and I think probably everybody does because on it, you can uh, see all the pricing and options and different stuff that you can get. Um, and then also you can schedule an appointment where once you pick on that scheduler, you just see all the times that are available so that you can just, um, snag whatever works best for you. The person that you are uh, looking to get, if you wanted to get me or whomever else, you have a kind of a smorgasbord of all the inspectors that we have available at that time. And, uh, and you can, you can get it in that way. If you wanted to call, you can call 312-544-9180. And uh, if you need to talk to me directly or you wanted to reach out to me directly, you could uh, email me at mark at chicagolandhomeinspectors.net. And we did, hire a, we did hire an answering crew. So they're now there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's always going to be someone to answer that phone. Uh, even on holidays, I feel horrible for those people. But they know our business. They know our wow. pricing. They know what we do. And if you're not comfortable doing it yourself online, then we have human beings there that can that can answer the phone for you. So enough of that. So let's That's go cool. back to uh, condo documents. And, and this is something that Carla and I talked a little bit, so we might tangent off and get back on. But don't you want to also check if you can use these condos for like short-term rentals and things like that? Yeah. Because so not all buildings allow that, do they? No, most buildings don't. And so like oh. Charlie just said one of my newest favorite words, which is short term rentals. Um, and just kind of, you know, remembering that I came to real estate as an investor first, like real estate has always been, um, you know, first and foremost. In fact, my wife laughs at me sometimes when she wants to do something to the house. I say, oh, no, we can't get that. We're not going to get our good return. She's like, I just want it for me. <laughs> Turn off the investor mind, right? Um, so, yeah, any clients coming, short-term rentals, and again, short-term rentals are people who are doing VRBO, Airbnb, things like that. Um, people even have their own personal sites. That way they can avoid all the fees of the other folks. But um, are people who are buying to, 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 to rent out, you know, for a few days, um, there's a lot larger um, return on investment than long-term uh, long rentals. But the reality is many condo buildings will not allow you to do that. So when clients come to me and they're looking for a short-term rental, something that they plan to Airbnb, I, um, I definitely tell them that to stay away from the any any condo building because even if they allow it today the condo association is in charge period so if they change their minds on you four years from now then you have to change your plans to suit and if you got used to making exactly. kind of three times that monthly income um then you would from you know just having a long-term renter in there you're going to be very sad to have to turn around long-term rent it or to have to sell it and if they change their minds in a period where the market is down then you're, you, you can't even sell it and make a profit. So now, Have you been finding clients that you've been helping yeah. find these Airbnbs? Yes. Oh. So, um, uh, so Airbnb, short-term like rentals, the best thing, either houses um, or two flats. And I think two flats in the city is sort of the best. And of course, there's a kind of shortage of two flats now. Lots of investors are kind of getting back in. But um, in They've a city... into this. Yeah, yeah in a oh, if I could ask, uh, did you guys ever hear that that's what they've been calling uh, life hacks uh, to have the uh, two flat where you live in one and rent out the other? But I, I thought it was more cost effective with three. Car Carla, what are you seeing? 
It's definitely more cost effective with three. And I think the beauty of having a three flat for people who want to live in it is that often if you cannot move in the future with three units, you can live on the first floor. You can duplex down in the future to the basement or to like you duplex any two of the units. God, is that such a Chicago phrase or what? Duplex down? Yeah, there you go. You don't hear that anywhere else. And then you have the amount of square footage of a single family home for your growing family. You still have the backyard for your growing family. And then you're still getting some income from the one. So Getting a th- you know getting a three um, is where it really starts to make sense. Um, I will also say the numbers for a two flat for a pure investor doing long term rentals, so just regular monthly, don't often work out. It's it's barely it's barely making it. But if somebody's doing um, Airbnb and they're in the right location, that br- brings a draw. And I also want to talk about location if we're in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, people always think, oh well, I'd have to be in Lakeview or Lincoln Park or somewhere where people want to be. I will tell you, I have seen some, I have been seen short-term rentals in Albany Park. You, there's so many different reasons why people rent. Um, hmm. Travel nurses. Travel nurses are a huge boom wow. for, a boon for um, short-term rentals. So if you find yourself close to a hospital, hmm. right now travel nurses are, you know, making yeah. money hand over foot with this and yeah. they need somewhere they can stay for just a month or whatever the length of their contract is. Um, so they're great. Op- don't, don't assume that wherever you are, that short-term rentals are not a good option. It, there are many, many reasons people come to an area. That's Do you find cool. that most of the nurses are, are coming out of pocket for that type of rental, or are they getting assistance from like, the They get an assistance they, from uh, the hospitals. Um, there there's such go. a shortage. shortage. Um, I, and I, I know people who even have hospitals who just keep their, their place on permanent rental, and they rotate the nurses through there. Wow. Huh. So. That's, that's crazy. That is crazy. That's pretty that's cool. for the investor. Excellent yeah. for the investor. So how is, is that different when you get that client onboarding? Is that just, or just different properties that you're looking at? Um, the client onboard the client onboarding for that is different. There's several tools available. Um, uh, AirDNA, which it calls, it sounds like Airbnb, but it's AirDNA. Right. So if you're considering any property for a short-term rental, this is monthly. This is a program that's called AirDNA. Um, you can pay for it monthly. You can pay for it for the three months that you're looking at properties. When you buy a property, you can stop paying for it. It's like 40 bucks. Um, and that actually kind of gives you the rundown and all the financial rundowns of the property. So what they do is they pull all the data from Airbnb. So they get an understanding of who else is Airbnb in your area that might be similar. What sort of price will you get? What's their occupancy rate? And they pull all of that, giving you an idea of what your return on investment would be. And so that's mm-hmm. one of the major conversations I have with somebody who may not have been doing short-term rentals ahead of time, uh, making sure that they, you know, they, they, they have the tools to run, making sure they have their goals on an ROI and return on investment um, uh, for, um, for any short-term. Because often short-term rental folks are not like specific on area. They're like, if the numbers make sense, I will. you can do a short-term rental in a, t- in a state that you don't even live in. Because it's more of an investment than it is yeah. an emotional Yeah, purchase. most people aren't planning to go clean every other mm-hmm. week or three times a week when they have three different people in a short term. They're planning on paying anybody. So whether that's here or that's in Joshua Tree, California or in Michigan. Um, I just purchased one in Michigan. Um, so you can buy them anywhere as long as the numbers make sense. So you have to make sure you have some, I have some spreadsheets that I share with people um, and then some tools like AirDNA so that they know how to kind of take a first glance at the numbers, even before we go see the property. Because it's the, an investment. If the numbers don't make sense, no matter how pretty the property is, right? Um, and then the second thing is just understanding who brings people to that area um, uh, or what brings people to that area. So I have this kind of like triangle rule. So there must be people coming for either from three different towns or for three different reasons. Explain that to me, please. So wherever you yeah. locate your um, short-term rental, you want it that like, I'm not just close to... South Bend, Michigan, and I'm going to hope people are going to South Bend, Michigan because they have great chocolate, they have a chocolate factory there or something, right? Okay. You want to make sure that, okay, I'm two hours from Chicago. I'm two hours from Detroit. I'm, you know, like 30 minutes from South Bend, Michigan. Um, so you need three, three drawers or I'm located close to a hospital. That could, it doesn't have to be just like a city. Located close to a hospital, so that's going to bring in people. I'm located close to a ski, ski hill. That's going to bring in people in the winter. I'm located mm. on a lake. Okay, that's going to take care of my summer rentals. So you have to have three reasons or three areas that people are coming to make it a good um That would be interesting. That would be rental. fun. Yeah. You know, to go ahead and find that stuff out. So have you been buying short-term rentals yourself? I just did one, or we're closing next week on a new one. All right. Um, and so... Awesome. This is, lo- you know, mine's located in Southwest Michigan, um, just kind of speaking. Which is an easy jump to get there. Yeah, two and a half hours away from me. Yeah. Um, but again, I hire people to do what, what we call our turnovers. 
Um, and again, even with those things, you know, you, you have a list of things that each clean. Yeah, you have to systematize it, right? You have a list of things the, that the cleaner needs to be doing. We're going back to her engineering degree now. There you go. I'm a process <laughs> person, right? Um, but That's again, all makes sense. the draw is there mm-hmm. is that, okay, so it's on a lake, so I'll get the, the summer. Um, it's close to Notre Dame. And so I'll That's get big. the September, October um, game traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we have two hours from Chicago. It's two and a half hours from me in Evanston, but two hours in Chicago. It's uh, two hours, two and a half hours from Detroit. It's close to South Bend. And oh, there's a ski hill. This? I just mentioned Carla, ski. Is this uh, Bass Lake or what are you talking about? Uh, Shavehead Lake. Oh, Shavehead Lake. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the water is clear. In Indiana, there's a lot of. Uh, going on that direction but okay go on yeah there's a million little lakes there um michigan just has clearer lakes than i found in wisconsin so i a girl from the caribbean i could not with the brown water i can't with the brown water lakes (laughs) yes that's great and some of those are just some plain old rivers um (laughs) so let's let's get back to going through the process again i mean this airbnb stuff does interest me um but I, I need to, I want to keep focusing through the whole thing. The hell with that. I'm going back to Airbnb. I want to <laughs> buy, I, I'm it's trying to talk my wife into buying a bunch of vacation homes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why not get places that I want to visit and we can rent them out when we're not there and they'll end up paying for themselves and we'll be making a profit on it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I have yeah. investors that come with all different types of gold, right? Yeah. Like some people are like, Bye, 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 bye. I want to retire. So they just like want to buy enough so that they, yeah. they pay their bills on their, on their mission and that they, they have this passive income um, coming in, you know, relatively passive income coming in. Um, I have people who just want to try it out and they, you know, they're buying far away and it's not located here. But, you know, they, they, they've done some with me here and they're just asking me for advice on other things and it will all manage itself. And it's just a dollars game, right? It'll make okay. money. But then I have people, like you said, and like this new property is going to be for me. My goal originally with this is just for this particular one to just pay for itself because I want to be able to use it. Yeah. So as long as yeah, it's rented yeah. enough so it pays for itself, I have a vacation home that I can go to from time to time and the bills are being paid otherwise. Yeah. And um, and it's not necessarily that kind of rented every single moment I get. It's a moneymaker constantly. So people come with all different goals and... Um, I mean, it, I, I think it's, it's harder in Chicago, um, although Chicago just um, passed a year and a half ago, I think, a ADU law. What um, is that? So additional dwelling unit. Right. I was going to say it's hard in Chicago because we don't have a lot of room, right? So you can't just put, but a lot of people right. do this to help supplement their mortgage. So if they can turn their garage into like a little studio unit, right. um, that the Airbnb coming through there can help pay their mortgage because again, you get way more in these, you know, I say Airbnb, it's not just Airbnb, VRB, however you're renting it, you get way more monthly than you would if you just got a short-term renter in there. So people are putting extra units um, in the suburbs, they can put it in their yard, like Evanston has a ADU um, ordinance that just passed last year as well. With Chicago, people are putting it on top of their garage or converting their garage completely. So again, I've had people who are just doing it to help pay their mortgage and supplement their mortgage. Some of those are in great shape, and some of those are not in such great shape. Yeah. You know, they don't take care of I them. I can attest to that. So let's um, let's go back to we just signed a contract. Mm-hmm. What is your list? What is your boom, boom, boom? This is what we got to get done. Um, you know, you sign a contract. In you know, almost immediately within two days, you have to turn in earnest money, or most of the time it's two days. Um, a lot of things are getting better for us these these days. Earnest monies can be wired, and um, wire you know dependent could cost you twenty five dollars. But now places are taken via Zelle, so that's great. So now clients aren't running around trying to drop off a check, and then they could only do it after work. And you know then there's oh, a great. there's a mail slot often in the real estate office, and they're like, I don't want to put this ten thousand dollar check in a mail slot, right? So now that's happening through Zelle. Be careful with Zelle. Sometimes you can only send so much money in a day. So yeah. um, there's that. But like most places will take Zelle all wire these days, so that's been nice and convenient. And then um, it's getting, I send them Charlie's website and make Uh-oh. sure they get the inspection um, <laughs> scheduled, right? And a lot of times it's like three, four days out and we have five days to do our inspection. Yeah. Um, initially, if we realize that we can't schedule and we're scheduling too close to that five days, I communicate with the lawyer, let them know that, hey, you know, we're, we're having that inspection on the fifth day. Email from now, get that, extent, that period, that inspection period extended because, you know, we have to get the report back and have time to review it, et cetera. Um, and Vince, so, have you been having trouble with extensions? Uh, no, no. Uh, I think in the current climate, everyone's been quite cooperative. Nice. So what have you noticed? 
I've had clients tell me, you know, they, they want to change dates or do, you know, radon setups earlier, you know, things that we're not going to have to go beyond that time frame. So I, I don't know if they actually asked their attorney for anything else or if they're just trying to give us a rush. And that's what I was kind of trying to figure out between you and Carla, what you guys were hearing. I just feel like in this current climate, as Mark alluded to, or not even alluded, just kind of said that they were almost threatened, <laughs> right, by the seller's agent that like, yeah, I have seven other. Every Buyers are kind of in this like, I don't want to do anything wrong to piss off the buyer, the seller, because yeah. they could just go to somebody else, right? So right. just trying to make sure we're not, you know, if it's unavoidable, if it's, if it's avoidable, not asking for extensions, not... Um, you know, having to go in too many times, making sure that radon is done or at least placed at the same time or pick it up at the same time we're doing the inspection. One of the two. So I think everybody's just trying to be on their quote unquote best buyer behavior um, because, you know, the market is so limited quantity. Yeah. And there's always another buyer waiting, willing to like literally do anything for it. It's cr- yeah, so and, and I'm not an expert on anything, but I think we're going to go through that year, this whole year again. Yeah. You know, I think with all the rate hikes that they're talking about to slow things down, that's going to push home buyers to move faster. Yeah, and, and the inventory is just not there. I saw something on yeah. CNN this morning that um, it's the toughest for people making seventy-five to 100000 based on them qualifying for houses like under four, 413000 or something like that, the numbers were. But that like in that, in that demographic, yeah. the inventory is 63% less. Wow. Oh, 60% of what it was, sorry. So 40-something percent less. And I know you have a lot of cash investor groups out there, too, that yeah. are buying up a lot of those houses, and all that is driving the prices up, which is great for the homeowners, but not always the greatest thing it's for the for home the buyers. buyers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess that's another thing that, again, you, you say cash, and for most people this is not at all possible, but I was talking to my mortgage broker um, who I work with closely, and she was saying she's doing so many um, reverse, or like not reverse mortgage, but um, after the mortgages after the fact. What does that mean? So people are, because of the reality, everything they're bidding on, some cash buyer got it. They're either borrowing cash from family members, pulling cash out of their um, equity if they own something already that they planned mm. on keeping, pulling cash out of that to be able to pay it. Um, to pay to to pay in cash, and so if you pay if you are able to manage to pay something in cash again, not a possibility for everybody. So I don't want to put this lightly. Um, then if you refi if you finance into a loan within third uh, sorry within six months of that, you will be able to get a loan as if with the same rates. Now we all know that if you own a house outright today, you could get an equity line of credit. Those interest rates are different. Not talking about that. Right. But if you do it within some places, it's three months. Some places, it's six months. Most of the time, you have to do it immediately and get the cash back to wherever you got it from. Yeah. Um, and I've so people are doing that, and then they just, you know, they close and then they refinance pretty immediately, and they're back into the mortgage. But they were able to come to the table with cash, which unfortunately, in some markets, is what you need to win. I'm I'm giggling That's over exactly here listening you talk about yeah. that. You reminded me of a fireman I worked with. His name was Tom, and he built a house with credit cards. He charged. <laughs> construction of a oh house with all this stuff. You did too? You're raising your hand. Girlfriend likes to fly. Likes to fly. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. Down. I told you I have a yeah. supply chain background, right? The house I live in, I have purchased every piece of lumber. I negotiated with lumber companies no around way. town. I got, Everything got paid for on credit card so girlfriend can fly. I love it. We're Sweet. running a little bit out of time. We only have a few more minutes left. Carla, if you don't mind, please give us your contact information one more time before we close. Sure. It's Carla.Thomas at Herb, U-R-B. And then that's the number two, Burb, B-U-R-B, dot com. And that's 773-505-1121. And Vince, if you don't mind. Yes, it's uh, reallawchicago.com, Vince Arricchio, Arricchio Law Offices, and 312 263 Zero zero one zero. Thank you. And Mark, you can Google us at uh, Chicagoland Home Inspectors, or you can find us at thehomeinspectors.com, or you could call three one two five four four nine one eight zero. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I'm going to do a little add-on to the plug on there. You know, don't be afraid. You know, for anybody listening to this, look at those darn reviews. Read the reviews. Find the negative reviews about all the professionals out there. 
read the responses from the companies, especially on the negative reviews. There are fake reviews that are both positive and fake reviews that are negative, but just seeing how somebody responds to those things to me tells you the character of the human being. And and again, I'm gonna go over this. Humans are different. None of us are identical. And just finding the good ones and the bad ones in the different professions, that's the real key here. And, and that's what we're really trying to do with this radio show too. You know, my goal is to find, you know, the good attorneys, the good uh, mortgage brokers, the good real estate agents. You know, and I keep saying there's 60,000 licensed real estate agents in Illinois. 40,000 of them are in the Chicagoland area. And, and so few of them are full-time. And so. very few of them, yeah. There's a, there's a general rule of thumb where you'll find that about 5% of the people will do 95% of the work. Mm-hmm. And then the other 95% of the real estate agents are going to be doing the 5% of the leftover in there. So, you know, the ones that produce, they work hard, they're dedicated, and they're doing something right. And a lot of that comes into where the client advocacy comes into play, which, you know, again, is why you're here. So I want to yeah. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Mark. Do we have a second to jump in on that? Yeah, please. Are we out of time? No, you got I all just, the time I'm in the world. Just on a- On a personal note, I just love working with Carla. I think that Mm -hmm. whenever I'm around her, you can see we're having this interview that come through while she's at the inspections. She has systems in her mind. She's very seasoned. She has been through construction. She can just start to put together all the different elements of this transaction, you know, instantaneously. And that's just priceless if you're going to be buying a house. I would, you know, if I ever buy a house again, it's going to, you know, Carla will be my will be my agent but why mark thank you so very much so kind but i i I actually literally mean it i mean it's really uh that she is the a good uh example of an advocate for sure so and it's nice to have those systems in place where it's boom 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 and yeah and she does let everybody make their choices you know Mm -hmm. she just helps them make an educated choice and that's the same thing i hear from vince that's the same thing i hear from joey and everything else Carla, if you are hiring on now, you have other real estate agents under mm-hmm. your company name, right? Yep. If let's say we're your, let's say I'm a brand new real estate agent, I want to come and work for you. Give me your one good golden rule of thumb, you know, for advice on me to be what you want me to be. Hard question, I know. Yeah, it's a hard question. I mean, like I know this is not every, everybody will not everybody will agree to this, but I always say. Um, start real estate part-time first. Make really? sure it's for you. Okay. Um, Make sure it's for you. Got it. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not. Dip your toes in the water. Dip your toe in the water. Um, especially the market like, you know, it is today, jumping off there and expecting to replace your full salary. That's um, scary. Immediately is yeah. scary and it puts you in a fearful place and nobody functions well from a place of fear, period. Um, I mean, some may say like, well, it makes you motivated, eh, you know, especially if you got children. I don't know. That's not the kind of motiv- motivation we want. No. Um, so we I want would, security. We yeah. don't want panic. We don't want panic. And yeah. so for me, it was a strategic thing. I did it. I did it as an investor first. I realized even when I was not looking for myself, I really love the hunt. I love matching people to the right property. I love learning about what, like listening to people, figuring out what's important to them. And a lot of times I call my clients and I say, Drop what you're doing. This is the one. We got to get out there now because I've listened and I know like, I'm, I'm finding that match and I know it makes it. So I, um, yeah, I would tell people kind of start slowly, make sure it's for you. And if it's for you, you'll, that connection will it. spark and you'll stay. No, that's great advice. I love it. Well, I think we're going towards the end of our time right now. We're going to sign off. Um, again, thank you for listening. And if you are listening, go to Facebook and search for the Home Buyers Hour. And you can find contact information for Carla, Vince, Joey, ourselves. And thank you for listening. And Charlie out and WCPT AMA 20.